Hello, sorry, my name's Becca. Um, it's really great to see you guys this morning and genuinely, I just love how every time, um, you know, we make our plans and we say we're going to do a church service like this and Manuela picks her songs and, and the hosting team are like, I feel like God's saying this, like we'll share this. And every time God comes through and does something amazing and just everything is woven yeah. in with it all together. And I just loved what Michelle shared about that mist that she was seeing and how actually just suddenly like the mist had gone away and you could see the cliffs, but the cliffs were there the whole time yeah. that she was at that place um, in Ireland. And and it's just amazing to be able to kind of come into this place with God and just be in awe of him every time he always comes through in his word. He always fulfills his promises. And I have the privilege of speaking on the living God blesses from our Elijah Elisha series. Um, we have been looking at two ordinary men um, that God anointed as prophets um, in the Old Testament. And God did miraculous things through both of them. And for the first four weeks of this series, we we fixated on Elijah and everything that God was doing through Elijah. And last week, Manuela very nicely introduced us to Elisha, Elijah's prodigy. And he was being mentored by him for several years. And eventually last week when we were reading, Elijah, Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind by God. And um, Elisha was to continue all the work that he was doing through Elijah. And now I've said a lot of similar names, but hopefully you've got my gist. We're talking about Elisha today. And we're going to be reading from 2 Kings 4, verses 1 to 37. I've got two amazing readers who are going to come, Mimi and Zanelli. Um, and Mimi's going to read the first part. If you want to come down, Mimi. Sorry, could I have a mic? Yay, Mimi. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophet cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in the house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbours, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And she poured, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Amazing. Thank you. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat, the, to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, 
Say now to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this time next year, you should embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and she bore a son about that time the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers, and he said to his father, Oh, my head, oh, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? Is it neither new moon nor Sabbath? She said, all is well. Then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, urge the animal on, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, there is, there is this Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the children? And she answered, all is well. And when she came to the mountain, to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet, and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, leave her alone, for she is bitter distress. She is in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, did, did I ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, tie up your garment and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply. And lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore, he returned to meet him and told him, the child has not awakened. Then Elisha came into the house. He saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. 
So he called her, and when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sonelli. That was a lot of reading, so <laughs> thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's just incredible um, passage of two women who trust God so much with quite serious big things that are going on in their life um, and they saw incredible blessings as a result of that and before we kind of delve into these women and what God is saying through this text I want us to kind of preface like blessings as a whole now my parents love signs at their house um, they actually bought one of Duncan's signs to be fair and they have this sign that says too blessed to be stressed it's actually a picture on there I don't know if anyone actually agrees with this but for me most of the time I do have to say my stress overwhelms like how much I count the blessings that God is doing in my life so I think in a worldly sense we can we're quite familiar to like what blessings are like if I was to sneeze I can probably guarantee that at least one person in the room would say bless you or even the fact that I sign off my emails by like blessings Becca Young blah 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 and I, I just it's very casual we say in the worldly sense like it's a very familiar thing that we know but actually one of the major themes of the Bible is blessings and it's what God is wanting to communicate to to us through how he sent his son through the people that we meet in the old testament and in the new testament all the way from abraham we know that god spoke over him and sarah the blessing the lord bless you the lord keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you into the New Testament where Jesus in Matthew 5 is sat in front of crowds of people sharing the Beatitudes, which is a listing of blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the peacemakers. He's listing off people and is calling them blessed. Blessings are not something we're unfamiliar to in this world and not something that the Bible is unfamiliar to. But, However, we need to understand that there's a big difference between what the world understands as blessings and how God is a blessing. And he's far greater than any worldly one um, and whatever he wants to share with us. And what we see here is two women who are blessed without expectancy, but rather blessed through their obedience in following what God was saying. And this is what blessing is. It's an overflow of God's nature, of God's blessing. And he loves to bless us in ways that we don't even understand so the first woman that we're introduced to that Mimi read um, is the widower and she has this olive oil but we're first introduced to her by the fact that her, she is now a widow that her, her husband has passed away her children have become fatherless um, but we do know that her husband followed Elisha he was part of the prophetic community and so he must have feared the Lord because why would you follow a prophet round um, so he followed Elisha round but for some reason once he died the creditors were after the debt that this family family were owed um, and the, the family were in significant debt so much so that the woman knew that the creditors were going to take her sons away because they could take whatever they wanted away if it felt like they were reimbursed and that included people so she was almost kind of begging Elisha saying please don't let him take my sons away and I don't know if anyone's ever played Monopoly Deal but I'll give you a bit of a picture of what this can feel like um, basically you've got all your properties you've put them down but you haven't set up a bank of of like all the money that you have and someone said oh you owe me 10 million pounds and rather than saying oh, I don't have any money you have to give them your properties you have to give them the very thing you don't want to give away and I know that this woman is actually the thought of losing her boys um, 
as well as losing her husband, it's just too much. And even though all she has is a jar of oil, she would rather have her boys and nothing else to like live from than have this tiny bit of olive oil and be on her own. So she would rather be with her boys. So she cried out to Elisha. And in essence, what this is saying is she ran to the Lord. Because in that time, the only people who were in direct communication with God were the prophets, because they were, you know, massively, they knew what God was saying, God was speaking to them. So her running to Elisha is her saying, I'm running to the Lord, because he is where I will find my security. And he is who I know will help me in this situation. And Elisha, what does he do? He tells her to follow a set of rules. So there's a picture here, yeah. He asks her to fill up a bunch of jars with this leftover remaining oil that she has. So they're not going to be like little container olive oils that we have on our like stir fry or whatever, but they're like big jars. Um, and actually, these jars she collected around the village with her sons. Um, and if anyone has ever tried to transfer olive oil before, it doesn't end well because you're actually, there's the way the consistency of oil is that it actually leaves a remnant in the jars that it's in. So this task that she was given doesn't make any sense because if you wanted to have a multiplication of oil the last thing you want to do is pour it into another container but that's what her and her sons did they were pouring it out and as they started to pour it out they realized this oil wasn't stopping the amount of oil that they thought they had it's now kind of doubled tripled quadrupled in size and each vessel that they are bringing forward to the woman to fill is being is being filled and then she says son hand me another vessel and he says we've run out of vessels and then all of a sudden the oil stops pouring at the same time she then went to Elisha and said I've done what you've asked I've poured out all this oil into these jars and um, and she just wanted to follow what Elisha was telling her to do so then Elisha says okay go and sell this oil and the remaining part of the money that you have left over is what you and your sons can live off you can pay the rest of your debts off and the remaining part you can live off and that's incredible because she obviously came to Elisha she came to God wanting to fulfill this debt that she had and God is like actually I'm going to go beyond your expectations I'm going to bless you over over time and and that's what we see here with this woman that she's been blessed more than what she expected and then the second woman that we were introduced to that Zanelli kindly read from was the Shunammite woman and her son being restored to life. So this woman, um, as we read, is wealthy. She's got, she's got a lot of money in comparison to the, wo the woman we've just met. And she's got enough that her and her husband, when they recognise Elisha's coming to town, they want to invite him in, they want to give him food, they want to bless him and, and help him rest. And, and they recognise he was a man of God so much so that they built a room um, above their house. And I've got a little picture. It's not it's not accurate I don't think it might have looked like this but it gives you a bit of a visual representation they literally designed a place in their house for him to sleep they didn't just make a pull-out bed and put it next to the living room they actually made him a room um, and that's how much she wanted to bless this man of God um, and she wanted to serve him and help him on as he is serving God she never asks for anything. Elisha says to his servant, what should, we, what should we do? This woman never asks for anything. Like, how should, we, how should we bless her? How should we ask God to provide for her? Because he recognised a servant heart in this woman. And of course, as we read, Elisha prophesies fertility and childbearing onto this woman, which 
if anyone you know has ever been to a conference or something and someone prophesies something you're like oh my gosh that's like a really big prophecy it's kind of scary how if that doesn't come to pass that might be quite difficult pastorally but in this we see that God did fulfill that promise because a year later as Elisha said she did bear a child and we don't know how much time passes but we know that the child is old enough to speak um, when we are then introduced to him again and you know he's in the field with his dad and then he says he doesn't feel well his dad sends him over to his mother and by noon that day the child dies in the mother's arms but she doesn't tell anyone she doesn't tell anyone she goes out to her husband says she's going to go see Elisha her husband's like well it doesn't really make any sense it's not the time or day that you would usually go see him she says all is well so much so she she and her servant get on a donkey um, they go from Shinem to Mount Carmel which I calculate is about 18.5 miles which would take you about six or nine hours depending on how slow you're walking it's not a journey that they can do in a day and then come back again it's a tiring journey and as she goes there she sees Elisha's servant Elisha's servant asks her three questions said is all well with you is all well with your husband is all well with the child and she says all is well doesn't it doesn't make any sense honestly if I was going through a traumatic experience my son's you know not not very well or dead in my house I'm not going to not talk to anyone about it but actually she then gets to Elisha she falls at his feet and she said did I not tell you do not deceive your servant you know she's almost like it was a difficult thing for me to receive that prophecy. It was clearly a deep desire that she wanted children, that she wanted to have a child to grow up and raise and, and see come to life and, and do amazing things. And as soon as that was taken away from her, she said to Elisha, did I not tell you, do not deceive me? And then Elisha actually didn't anticipate what she was going to say. It says that Elisha, um, God was hiding um, the news of what this woman was carrying from Elisha and eventually he came back to the house so as I say they've done another 18.5 mile journey all the way back to the house um, he comes into the house he closes the door behind him he then strangely lays on top of this boy which I don't really understand but I'm assuming it's something that the Lord was prompting him to do um, and then all of a sudden the boy sneezes not once not twice but seven times he opens his eyes Elisha calls his mother into the room the mother falls at his feet and is able to hug her boy once again. I think for both of these scenarios, we're told that they closed the door. And I think for both of these scenarios, I would love to be in the room where it happened. I'd love to be in that moment while the mother is pouring out this oil just to think, what is going to happen? Like, how are we going to see God provide in this strange thing? Or maybe when Elisha is kind of laying on top of this boy, it's just like, what are you doing? Like, he's not going to come to life. But then actually God did something different and he did something new and he he did a miracle in those rooms he did a miracle of multiplication of food and he did a miracle of raising the dead to life but we know that these women are very opposite in their nature we we meet one woman who's a widower she's poor she's in debt her husband's just died and she's got two children how is she gonna how is she gonna cope with the rest of her life then we meet this other woman who is wealthy she's got money to spare she's hospitable um, they have no children but she she does have a husband and I think that's something for us to understand that in this in this passage we see two women of very different backgrounds of actually God wants to bless anyone and everyone it's like Bruno was saying like it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter your story God wants to bless you and pour out his blessings on you and both of these women 
ran to God and they both referred to themselves as servants as well. So if we go back to the widow woman, we see ultimate providence in this scenario. She came to Elisha crying, begging for help, knowing that God could help. And we saw a miracle similar to what Jesus did in feeding the 5,000, the 4,000, turning water into wine. Something that was just so bizarre that no one expected. But we know that the true blessing of this story comes when not only was her debt paid in full, but then she had some to live off with her sons. And we know that mirrors what Jesus did on the cross. We were just talking about the cross being the thing that finished death. Our debts have been paid. Our sins have been forgiven. And not just that, but God wants eternal life for us. He wants a relationship for us. The blessing speaks of an eternal blessing that we have with God. And then we meet the Shunammite woman She does all these little things, she's hospitable, she's kind, she's servant-hearted. And maybe in those little things, actually, you, you smile at someone or you say hello to someone, whatever it is, those little things actually can speak into, into your life of like what God wants to do with, with that heart, with that servant heart that you have. And I know, I know that it was probably really painful for her to receive this prophecy from Elisha about fertility. It probably was one of the worst things ever because she just thought, if this isn't true in nine months time and I don't have a child I don't know if I can follow this God anymore that I thought I believed in so no wonder when the child actually did die she was torn in two but she she must have known she was like God you've not blessed me with a child just to take it away you've not blessed me with a child especially given my circumstance just to take this child away and we see this with Abraham and Isaac where God had blessed Abraham and Sarah at 100 years old of age with a child and that he said over them that you were going to be the father of nations and then all of a sudden they have to sacrifice their son. We know that that's not what God wanted to happen but rather God was leading them into trusting him more, trusting his plans more, trusting that he knew what he was doing in their situation. On a larger scale, we know that God didn't just bless us by sending Jesus into this earth just for him to die on a cross and that be it. But for him to die on a cross, come back to life and actually invite us into the heavenly realms with him to worship him and live our lives for him. His death meant so much more for us than we could have ever known And his life and death spoke of God's blessing to us, of what he wants to pour out in us, his providence and his fulfillment to his word. And so much of the time we look into the Old Testament. I love this book. Honestly, this book is amazing. You look into the Old Testament and you can see how God was orchestrating this story, his rescue mission to get us back into his arms and you see that how it links to Jesus how it links to the miracles that he did how it links to the people he hung out with and it what it brings us into is a family mindset of actually we are family that we are brothers and sisters in Christ we have been adopted we are heirs and heiresses to his throne and that is the bigger picture that is the bigger picture but I do know that God still wants to bless us in ways like he has with these two women today he wants to bless us in our situations of provision and miracles I want to tell you of a woman who went through a really similar process as these two women Um, it was 1987 her and her husband just 
brand newly wedded couple and they'd been together for just a short time and they were excited to create a family together. And they found out she was pregnant at six weeks, which obviously if you know anything about pregnancy, it's not a long time, but for some reason they decided to tell a lot of people and they were excited, they started getting the baby names, they started planning the nursery and getting the clothes and everything. But at just 10 weeks, something wasn't right. And so an ambulance came to pick up the couple and took the husband and wife to the hospital. And on the way there, the wife is saying, I'm a Christian, I'm not going to lose this baby. After waking up from a procedure, this woman knew that the baby had actually gone. And then being with family, grieving, she eventually found time on her own to spend with God. And the cry of her heart was, God, why? Why would you let this happen? And so clearly she heard a voice say, Psalm 31, 15, only to go and read it and see. It said, but I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. This woman found the God of peace in a time of need and she searched for him in a time of desperation, just like the widower when she ran to Elisha's feet, just like the Shunammite woman when she pushed past the servant and went to Elijah's feet and also said that she needed help, she needed a blessing to happen in her situation. And a year later for this woman that we've just been introduced to, she found out that she was um, pregnant again and she gave birth to her first child a year after this miscarriage. And this woman now has seven children and four grandchildren. And this woman is actually my mum. So, um, so, and this is my mum's story of like actually how her first child was like, oh, this is painful. This is hard. This is really difficult. God, I thought, I thought you were God. I thought you could do anything. I thought you actually wanted me to build a family or step into the things that I've always dreamed about. And actually... Sometimes we know that it takes time for God's blessings to fully pan out and maybe not even the way that we expect them to as well. But I know that there's some people in this room who that is your situation. It's been an uphill battle for you to see the blessings that God has for you. And actually, there's some people in the room who are still on that journey of like, God, I thought you said this. I thought, I thought you promised this over me. And then there's some people in the room who have actually came to the conclusion of like, oh, God, I don't think that is for me. It's something that I desired. It's something that I wanted, but I think I've had to come to the conclusion that that's not what's going to happen for me. And I, I, I mean this all figuratively. I mean this in, you know, your workplaces, your relationships, your families, your situations, your dreams that you've always held on to. But I also mean this literally. I feel like there are some people who are in a similar situation as these three women that we've been introduced to today. But as we see with these women, in the midst of chaos and fear and worry, the greatest thing that you can do is search for God because he sees you, because he sees you in every part of your situation. And the blessing might not be something you expect, but he knows what is best for us and exactly what we need. And I feel as though there's three things that we're kind of called to respond to today. The first one being recognizing a need and coming to God. Maybe you've already recognized the need. Maybe that's something that you've known for ages, but you've never actually came to God's feet about it. You never actually put it before him and said, Lord, please help me with this. Or maybe you're the second person who you actually want to be used by God, 
like Elisha was, as a blessing to other people. You want to you wanna spend your time, you want to give, you want to be generous, you want to pray for people, you want to see God pour out something new on other people. Or maybe you're the third person who actually, despite both of those things, you don't even know where to begin with trusting God. You're really, really struggling with it because maybe you've seen things before that haven't panned out and you just thought, I don't know if there is a God who can, who can deal with my, with my struggles. I think there's a call for like, us to respond to at least one of these. I know that I definitely sit in at least two of these camps. But we're so blessed when we first come to him and we choose him in our struggles, in our problems, in the things that we really need to see breakthrough in. So I would love to invite the band back up. And we're just going to spend a time responding to this. If you kind of put yourself in either one, two or three or maybe more, and actually just as we respond in worship, just kind of give that thing to God that you need to see breakthrough in. Give that thing to God where it is maybe, maybe a relationship, maybe family, maybe work, maybe finances. You want to see that breakthrough come. You want to see God move in miraculous ways. And he'll do it. Honestly, yeah. he will. He will do it. And, and as we said, sometimes it comes in the ways we don't expect. When I, was first, when I first came up, I thought of Proverbs 16.9, which is, um, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And so much of my life has been, an, God, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do the other. And some of those things have actually came to pass, but other things, God has gently steered me in the direction that he wants me to go in, or he's fixed my eyes on the things that he wants me to fix my eyes on. And ultimately then, I've seen the blessing of what he's doing in and through me pour out. So... Yeah, Manuela, if we could just go into some worship to truly respond to what it is that we...